I'm looking back at a lot of my writings, it's very nostalgic for me to be able to remind myself of the things that I already do think and to have it already articulated so well in different capacities, whether that's like from my experiences when I was in the Air Force Academy and I'm talking about how I had to fight within that system because of the type of racism and discrimination that existed at that type of institution or talking about um, other instances within other institutions. But other things that I'm doing is trying to document my um, family's history. So talking with my grandma and getting to know how her upbringing was so we can have it um, for future generations as well. So it's a very, it's a very beautiful thing. And it's a good reminder for us to tell us and that it is a nostalgic piece of work to be doing and to capture your stories. And that's why it's important with narrative building. a story the same story you could actually tell it to different people but each time you could tell it differently because you are supposed to be organic you're supposed to adapt the story to the situation and the event under which you are telling the story uh in that do you what do you want the person to do because you are you are basically trying to trigger a reaction from the people or do you want to make the people feel good do you want to make them reflect do you want to uh, make them forgive something because somebody have maybe uh, by mistakely uh, wronged another person, so they are trying to look for reconciliation, and they are trying to make peace? Is that why you are telling the story? Because if that is why you are telling the story, even though the story you are going to use by me, the story of war, you are not necessarily going to lay emphasis on how to maybe attack enemy. You might lay emphasis on maybe the after, how to make peace because. As human beings, we cannot always be fighting. Sometimes we fight, sometimes we also make peace. Because these stories can bring people together and, 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 and these shared experiences can standardize how you are feeling and make you feel that you and know that you have a support group and that you are not alone. Other persons are experiencing what you are experiencing and there can be a connection that builds resilience and empowers you to deal with your nostalgia. since 2004 that is quite some years now really uh, so uh, this book series uh, where we are going to be talking about uh, story storytelling today uh, came from a research that I carried out in Italy looking at the presence of Africans in northern Italy and that is where I really want to point out something in that I remember at one time in the book not in this book because in that project I wrote two books so in one of the books which is the journey African in Verona I did make mention of uh, nostalgia in a little elaborate way. In that, I was looking at the Nigeria community who had a church here in Verona. They still have the church. So every Sunday, they would go there to worship. 
Uh, so I was making reference to that kind of worship and the kind of worship that we will have in Nigeria and the kind of worship in the typical European churches. And you could see a huge difference between what the African community are having as their church services and what a typical European we have, whether you are looking at Germany, because I was in Germany for, for some time, so I understand there, or maybe you are in France or in UK or in Italy. Uh, it almost appeared as if Africa is going to evangelize Europe about Christianity in the way that people really worship with all the energy, the dancing is something else. So I, at one time I was saying, this is more than just church service. This is about staying together so that we can fight our common enemy. And the common enemy this time is the nostalgia, the loneliness, uh, the, the journey to be together as a people. It is something fundamental. And this is important particularly for us who are away from home because we are sojourners. We are away from home, uh, but we need to look for something that unites us together. We need to look for a time to be able to uh, talk to one another, to be able to cuddle each other, to embrace ourselves, and to share each, each other's memory. And why not also share each other's uh, suffering? It is the best way we are going to be able to survive uh, when we are living in a world that is not our own, like, for example, uh, the African diaspora or the Africans, uh, immigrants that are living uh, outside of Africa, which, of course, I am, um, I am one of those people. So, yeah, I did pay attention to that particular argument then. And that is what we are going to be talking about today. Nostalgia with storytelling in the African diaspora. How do we leverage that? What does that even mean for us? So, like I was saying before, because I have carried out this research looking at different experiences of African living in the diaspora, in this case, living in Italy, I come to sort of understand the power, the potency of storytelling uh, for our people, for our demography. So, sometime uh, towards the ending of last year, I decided to put this book together, but it was actually voluminous, so I didn't want to bore people with a huge book. So I decided to break it down into smaller pieces so that we have five books in the series. But each of them is actually treated certain segment, different segment in the argument of storytelling. And trust me, I have never thought about storytelling until I started this series, and I am loving it. It conditions everything that I do. I've come to understand that I've actually been a storyteller all along, and I love every bit of it. And of course, I also uh, love, I, I appreciate also the possibility of able to engage with different people who also love storytelling, who want to use it uh, to be able to engage the world. So of course, I have uh, uh, three co-hosts and a beautiful person that is joining us, which is Melissa. So I will start with, um, with Nakasha. Nakasha, you came uh, later uh, as the three, so you will be the first to talk. Tell us a, bit, a little bit about you and your first take on the topic of today. Please go ahead. Hi, guys. I'm Nakasha. Thank you for having me. I recently wrote a book called Play the Game, Hierarchical Simulation. I'm in the field of sociocultural anthropology, so I love learning about different cultures and different languages, and particularly the decolonization of anthropology. So that's a lot of work that I do. And for today's topic, overcoming nostalgia with storytelling, 
that's um a really interesting um topic but a really beautiful one I, I think that is absolutely necessary and um it's interesting because when I'm looking back at a lot of my writings it's very nostalgic for me to be able to remind myself of the things that I already do think and to have it already articulated so well in different capacities whether that's like from my experiences when I was in the Air Force Academy and I'm talking about how I had to fight within that system because of the type of racism and discrimination that existed at that type of institution or talking about um, other instances within other institutions. But other things that I'm doing is trying to document my um, family's history. So talking with my grandma and getting to know how her upbringing was so we can have it um, for future generations as well. So it's a very it's a very beautiful thing. And it's a good reminder for us to tell us in that it is a nostalgic piece of work to be doing and to capture your stories. And that's why it's important with narrative building. Thank you so much for that. We appreciate that. And of course, we are going to be uh, breaking it down just now. And I want to remind us that uh, we have a course that we are currently working on. It will be out soon. Uh, and it's about storytelling because we believe we are really taking it uh, seriously. And we want people to be able to leverage it uh, wherever you are. And of course, in this room, uh, we are concentrating mainly on the African diaspora. So the class we are, uh, we are creating, we are almost done. Uh, me, uh, Olatuji, uh, Dr. Matsia, and Akotia. Uh, it's about these, how to leverage storytelling to build our identity. So if you are an African diaspora and you care about our narration, our storytelling, then you better prepare uh, for that course. It's going to be available soon. And of course, we will let you know about that. All right. So we we'll always have to move with the ladies before we come to the man. So we will move to Dr. Masia. It's your turn. Please tell us a bit about yourself and your first take on the topic of today. All right. My name, as you have heard, is Dr. Masia Thomas. I am a Christian leadership life coach and trainer and consultant. I am involved in storytelling because as a leader of an institution, I have written storybooks of children's experiences, which by itself is nostalgic enough so they can use their experiences and see their experiences in front of them, interact with their experiences as a first and second person and third person and learn from their experiences and change your situation. I also recently have a book that is coming out on Amazon. I would want to post my link very soon for pre-orders. It's called A Leader Like You. And in that book, I chronicle my experience as a leader in a disadvantaged setting and how you can overcome the challenges of leadership, the pains of leadership, the misunderstandings of leadership, and so forth. I believe that this topic is a very pertinent and important one, considering that so many Africans are away from their homeland. I believe and I respect the feelings of loneliness and alienation or isolation or despondency that can come from being disconnected from your roots or your sense of loss about your past or not knowing your history. I believe that nostalgia in itself Often arises when people feel regret or disconnection or a sense of loss, that something is missing, that there is a gap somewhere that they need to recover. And I feel that in the, the 
African diaspora, it is very present for these reasons. Even when you live in Africa, the changes and the, the fifth generation issues with the internet and so forth and how information is passed on, how it is interpreted and how it is represented, it becomes a, a voice that is false for those who are actually experiencing. And so storytelling in itself and the narrative that comes from a personal place of knowing and experiencing carries with it a revelation that is not based on speculation, but actually based on how you have lived it, how you have overcome it, and how you now shape it so that it becomes impactful. Thank you so much for that. Uh, I want to take down the word that you said there. Uh, in fact, uh, the one particular word actually struck me more, which is uh, uh, the loneliness and the solitude. Uh, that is another word that I often use along with that. In that sometime, we are alone. That is actually how I put it in, the, in that book that I was referring to before. Sometimes we are alone, even though we might be living in metropolitan cities and all of that, uh, we, we feel this sense of loneliness, this solitude. Uh, but we're going to leverage it because everything in front of us can be a tool because it depends on what do we do with it. Because now we can use this time that we have where we are lonely, use it to work on ourselves, use it to find ourselves, use it to discover ourselves more, and use it most importantly to discover our inner strength. Now, I want you to think back to most of our sacred books, whether you are looking at the Bible, looking at the Quran, or looking at the prophets in these different religious sects or spirituality, looking at Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha. You see, at from one point to the other, at every given time, this individual, even though they have a lot of crowd of people, a huge amount of crowd of people following them, they will sometimes retire from this crowd of people and go to a place where they are alone. They are alone with their creator and they are regenerating themselves. A good example would be if you look at uh, the transformation or, or the uh, when, when Jesus was on the mountain. Um, you remember the story, no? You will also find something similar if you look at the story of uh, Prophet Muhammad. These moments are important for us. It is true that uh, we are talking of loneliness, but I want us to understand it that it's not also it's not something negative. It is something that can actually be very enriching for us. It's an opportunity for us to unite ourselves, to tell our story, to feel each other's warmth. It is not something that we should look at as something utterly negative. No, it's a time for us to regenerate ourselves, a time for us to reunite, a time for us to reflect and to ask ourselves the fundamental question, why am I here? Why am I doing what I am doing? It's a revival moment, and you are going to help yourself. You are going to have to help yourself. Yeah, um, I would like to say my name first, and you have said it for me. It's good to be here. Thank you so much. 
good good to be here and i really want to appreciate everybody who has you know, joined us to be here um for those who have been coming and those are just you know making their first time to be here it's a pleasure to have you here uh to join us for this you know uh it's it's an odyssey it's a journey uh a very very deep one not just a long one but very deep one of self-realization and coming to that reality that we are you know we are powerful enough to also create a difference or make a change in our time and um uh have i talked about myself you know it's one of those things i don't know how to do uh i'm you know a growth uh, coach and um I help people and businesses to grow. It's always a very good pleasure uh, for me to see that people can achieve more, you know, by applying, uh, you know, the, the themselves to the principles of personal development and getting a result for themselves. Uh, it, it's been a lot, right? It's been a lot, and um, this opportunity to uh, help us come alive through um, storytelling and making us to realize our place, you know in destiny and doing the things that are supposed to be done is very important. So, you know, nostalgia is, is sweet. Um, you know, I always see from the positive side of it that um, uh, sometimes, you know, when you when you hear the name, when when Mr. Obe you see the name like Olatunji now, you would remember, oh, Nigeria, that that's Nigeria. And a lot of things can begin to come to his mind about Nigeria. And, um, you know, in Africa, we are becoming very intentional about it, that even uh, you know, names of our businesses, you know, we give them uh, that African name that, you know, when you see the business, no matter where it is in the world, it reminds you of a culture, it reminds you of a people, you know, it can remind you of those, you know, uh, moonlight stories, right? So it's, it's very important that we understand that these things are there to keep us, uh, in the know to keep us in check and give us that that reminder every time uh, and you know trace us back to our origin because um, you cannot be original uh, when you are dissociated from your origin so we need we need nostalgia we need nostalgic feelings you know sometimes to keep keep us you know in touch uh, with what really makes us tick uh, and you know that happens around us so it's, it's good to be here thank you so much thank you so much Olatuji. all right before i pass the mic uh, to our guest in the room uh, melissa and also uh, okare uh, i want to just <laughs> say something uh, strike me when you were talking uh, Olatuji. is that because we are looking at storytelling and storytelling also is very vital uh, when we are looking for a better way to engage with our audience this can also be particularly important in the area of business Nost nost nostalgia or nostalgic experiences or nostalgic feeling can really be very powerful instrument to sell to be able to better connect to the people maybe let, let me use it like that because uh selling is something that come after you have made the connection because you cannot just come to an individual and say hey bye 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 <laughs> it's not going to work you are going to first of all connect uh when you connect the, the barrier that usually is i, I say it often on when, when you want to sell something to somebody and then you just you don't just go there and say hey i'm selling this buy this no because the person that you are going to meet have a natural barrier set up because it, it is this individual understand that what is going to happen in the transaction is that he or she is going to give you money then you're going to give the person something else you're not going to give the person money back and this individual understand the importance of money because money is not valuable money is an exchange of value 
And in our society, this is very important. This, this transactional exchange is something that we understand well enough. So I know that when you meet me, you're going to take my money. So I'm going to set up a war that, so that you don't come near me because that money is for me, for my family to be able to take care of myself, uh, to settle other issues. So you are not going to succeed if you just go to the person and start saying, bye, bye, bye. So, but if you put in story, you are going to neutralize the war. That is why we also lay uh, a, a lot of emphasis on business storytelling. Of course, this class, this room today is not for business storytelling, but what Olatuji said there is very important. That's why I'm just sort of uh, throwing that there. In that uh, understanding the power of storytelling can really be very powerful in any area of our life. Whether you are a pastor, whether you are a community leader, whether you are a politician, whether you are a police officer, an investigative uh, journalist, you are going to need the power of storytelling because storytelling is an ancient form of communication. It's so old that if you are looking for a way to talk to a human being, if you use the storytelling as a strategy, you are likely to have more, more possibility of winning than if you throw in data and statistics. This is proven scientifically and also otherwise. All right, so uh, having said that, I think I, I want to uh, pass the mic to Melissa because you were the first to jump on the room and you have something to share with us. Please go ahead and share with us. Uh, hello to everybody in the room. Um, I, I love coming into your spaces, Abehi, because when you talk about storytelling, it just resonates with me. And I think many people in the diaspora, I'm here based in the United States, but I'm actually on business in Kenya. So I've been in Nairobi for over a month. And, you know, I decided to, you know, do the, do the classical blog, <laughs> blog experience, because I am coming here for business, but I'm seeing and learning so much about business from my Kenyan brothers and sisters. And I find that there's such a fascination because we learn so little about African countries in modern times <laughs> in the United States. Therefore, you know, a lot of people are just excited to see the sites and to learn um, about all the nuances and um, it's it's been fascinating. And I think for me as a businesswoman, I own a global think tank, for those of you who may not know me, um, for me to come here and be able to open up my experience, it isn't just for marketing purposes, but it's to really connect to my community. My community, you know, is more than a sale for me. My community is a garden that I cultivate. I literally call it a garden. And how I, how I really grow my garden is to nourish them with stories, is to help them to be able to see themselves, <clears throat> excuse me, and the experiences of other people around the world. And as a result, um, a trip that was supposed to be short, <laughs> you know, relatively speaking, has now expanded to months because of the story. The story of me being here, the story of the people that I've met, um, it's galvanized all of us around a very important project around building smart cities. And 
you know, it's touching. It's really touching. And so I, I'm a living testimony to the power of a story because it's, it's telling my story got me here. I'm completely 100% sponsored on this trip. And it's because of storytelling. And so, um, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a believer. And that's what I wanted to share. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Melissa. That is so powerful. Of course, we can we can hear from time to time people bringing in testimony to show that what we are talking about here is not just fantasy, not, not at all. It's not. It is the truth. It is true. Let, let me just share two things with you before I pass the, the mic um, on to uh, Akari. I don't know if I pronounce it correctly, but anyway, you helped me that just now. You see, um, story is actually what helps us to build the metropolis that we have today in the world. Story is what is responsible for why uh, we're able to organize our credit system. Now, take a moment to reflect on that, that you go to the bank, you tell the, the bank operator that, give me one million naira, I'm going to pay you, um, pay you back with interest. But how do you even explain, how do you explain that? Okay, now, because we are not alone, in the, in the world, we have other animals that we are coexisting. Do you think if the chimpanzee are going to negotiate, they're going to go to another animal or another chimpanzee and tell you, okay, you give me a piece of banana, uh, give me two or three, that I will pay you uh, maybe in a two years time or three years time. It's not going to work. Anyway, I'm not a babu, I'm not a chimpanzee, but I know that that is not <laughs> how it operates there. But for us, it's different. Because we have story. And this story, what is even fascinating about it is that this story doesn't have to even be true. We can even invent it. Ah, I'm talking of invention here. And let me show you an example. The other day, I was interviewing um, a visual artist. He's a good one, a Canadian visual artist, because he has worked in films like Jurassic Park, uh, in Transformer. Of course, you know those films, no? Now, uh, because he's a visual artist, uh, uh, you know, the visual artists, they, they, they sometimes work with images, but they also work with sound, no? In that you make the the, the, the the sound of the mosquito sound like a big engine. That when the mosquito uh, uh, touch the ground, just marching, you start hearing something like... That is a mosquito walking. What we have done, we have amplified what was supposed to be the little sound there, so that Everybody that is inside the, the room or in the cinema hall are just moving to the edge of their seat because the mosquito is coming. All these are the power of story because we are able to penetrate the human imagination and make them feel something. Now, I was telling this guy, you and I know that that story that you are creating is not true. It is invented because the aliens never really came to the street of New York or Los Angeles and they were marching on the street. Despite the fact that we know that is the case, me and you, when we go to the cinema, our heart is racing. Our adrenaline is so, our, our blood is pumping as if it's real. Why? That is story. The power of story. Let me share something with you that you already know. A life example. You see, in the year 1925, 19, say 1913, before the start of the Second World War, the people in Germany were living in peace. Both the, uh, the Jews and the Germans, they were having a good time. They were marrying. Some of them were having fun. 
They were co-workers. They were working in the bank. They were working on the street. Everybody was having fun together. But do you know that somebody came and changed that story? Somebody told a different kind of story that this said neighbor of yours are not your neighbors. This said friend of yours are not your friends. Your husband and wife are not your husband and wife. They are enemy. Which is to say that, of course, you know what happened after that. No, I don't need to tell you. You know the millions of people that were massacred for that story. That is a result of story. That is also how the military built their images. Otherwise, how are you able to convince an, an army to go and take another territory? You do that through story. Why I'm saying that is because I want you to understand that story is very powerful. If we know how to tell a story, we can move, literally move a mountain. We will move it from where it is to another location. But if we want to use statistics, data, it will never happen. It will never, never happen. Logic doesn't reach there. But story go beyond that. It is true story that we create heaven and hell. If we know how to tell our story, there is no word that we cannot penetrate. All right. It's time for you, Mr. Okare. I repeat again. I probably pronounced the name wrongly. Please help me. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Obi. Yeah, uh, my name is Okare Shaba. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, um, just talking about the topic, uh, overcoming nostalgia with storytelling. What comes to my mind is storytelling is the bridge between the past and the future. So for me, you know, nostalgia is like dwelling in the past. It's like I would liken it to that comfortable chair that we would like to go back to. However, storytelling for me is like what connects us from the past to the future. Uh, like Mr. Latunji said that you cannot, you cannot be original if you are not connected to the origin. That was so deep, you know. So storytelling to me, is what we would use to overcome where we are coming from, talking about the history, talking about the past, talking about things that, that has happened before in a way that can be understood and taken forward. So what is the meaning of a good story? It must start with a why. What's the, what is the why? It starts with the beginning of every story is the why. When we go to the movies or the cinemas, they always tell us that, oh, in the beginning, this happened. And it must be relatable. So for me, I feel like all stories or a good compelling story should be a bridge to the future. So I'll just stop with that. Thank you so much for that. That is, that is important. You're actually touching the meat. That is the meat there. <laughs> Thank you so much for that, Sherry. I appreciate that. All right, before I pass the question to my co-host, I have uh, Sandra in the room. I think that should be Sandra Washington. Anyway, I didn't see the ending, but I think that is how it should be. Uh, all right, it's your turn, sister. Share with us. We are willing to hear from you. Good, good day, everyone. Uh, you know, i actually not sure how I got up on stage. <laughs> but I'm standing here and I'm listening to each one of you as you speak and you talk about the storytelling and how you got into storytelling and what the importance is of storytelling. 
And just on a personal basis, I actually am the founder of a nonprofit. Uh, it is a board-certified patient advocacy firm here in the United States. And I started the nonprofit side of my business because of a story. That story involves all, well, both of my grandmothers and my mother-in-law. And without that story, I wouldn't be here to speak on the importance of healthcare to people. So storytelling is important. Um, it's very, very important. And it actually does help me when I'm, someone asks me, well, why do you do what you do, Sandra? I tell them the story of my grandmother. I tell them the stories of my community as a whole who has suffered immensely um, negative impacts one after the other after the other. Um, and I just lead them down that road on why it's important to me and you know why I have a passion to do the things that I do. And it's based on the story that was told well before I was even born. So thank you so much for calling me to the stage and everyone continue to have a beautiful day. That's lovely. That's lovely, Sandra. Thank you so much for that, Sherry. It is powerful. <laughs> yeah, all these are just testimony. I, I, I love testimony, you know. Of course, it's a proof that, you know, they say that the, 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 the proof of the pudding is in the eating. We are doing the eating, and it's really very interesting. All right, uh, Dr. Montia, I have a question for you. How do we overcome nostalgia with storytelling? Let's have your take on that. For me, to overcome nostalgia through storytelling, I think it can be a powerful way to address our, how would I say it now? I think it's a powerful way to address our connection, meaning it is really a way that we, 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 tap into the complexities of our identity and our history and, and, and culturally preserve what is important to us as Africans because of the, the fact that it arises from a, from a desire to belong, whether from a pastime or place or this longing is, can be rooted in a desire to reconnect. So one of the things that I think we can do to overcome nostalgia is to identify those persons who are close to us, find our connection where we are, and also use the media to have emotional healing sessions, meaning that you can start a group or have persons who are from your roots or understand your culture and even persons who comment and who represent what it is that you are experiencing and what it is that is your culture, what it is that is your identity. You can have societies or retreats or places or discussion oasis where you have emotional healing taking place and where you help individuals to process how they are feeling and what they are feeling and put it in context and share so each one teach one and build up one it's kind of like a collective therapy session and then you can also have share your nostalgic stories 
because these stories can bring people together and, 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 and these shared experiences can standardize how you are feeling and make you feel that you and know that you have a support group and that you are not alone. Other persons are experiencing what you are experiencing and there can be a connection that builds resilience and empowers you to deal with your nostalgia and give you the strength to be able to celebrate where you are because of this coming together and this understanding of achievements, this understanding of, of cherishing and nourishing your reference point, this understanding of knowing that you must now build on it and you are now born in this stage, in this area, and at this time to connect the dots and to put them together. There is a wide range of nostalgic feelings or experiences that I think comes from different homelands or in ancestral homelands in, 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 in Africa. And I believe that because of the talents and because of the skills and abilities and capabilities and because of the different divine assignments that have been given to each generation, you are, you, you are placed in different spots and in different regions to carry on this legacy and to expand it from where you are standing. To do that, you must have an understanding. You must own your feelings. You must own your experiences. You must own your roots. You must own your story and you must tell it. You must tell it for healing. You must tell it for growth. You must tell it for education. You must tell it for information and you must represent it unapologetically where you are and where you have reached and where you have been positioned to give light. Thank you so much for that. That, that, that sounds to me like um, a kind of a deep mission. And I think that is what it really should be. All right, in 2015, I wrote a book uh, that I titled um, Amended the Stream Water. At least until recently, that actually was uh, my bestseller because uh, maybe because I carry out some good marketing in it. So I sold a lot of copy on it here in Italy, but of course also at the international level because the book uh, is on Amazon. And the book uh, was also uh, chosen to be read here at the University of Verona, uh, the city where I am, for people who want to understand uh, a bit about uh, uh, Africa. Uh, now, the thesis of the story uh, was um, had to do with two types of justice, divine justice and, uh, and mermaid justice. Uh, and of course, the setting is, um, is in my culture, which is Esan, the south of Nigeria. Uh, the way I actually wrote the book is that if you take the book, you will not find time there. That I make it timeless in the sense that uh, I deliberately don't make any mention of any specific thing. So therefore, it is up to you to find the time of which the story was supposed to take place. Now, in the beginning of the story, you see a man uh, by the name Oko Uji, uh, who was living in the village that is also called Obuji. Therefore, Okobuji, of course, in my language, it will mean the son of Obuji. Okay, <laughs> I don't want to go beyond that here uh, for, for the sake of time. 
Now, uh, Okobuje is a storyteller. He was telling, he tells stories to the children. And every evening, all the, all the children would come to sit around him and he would tell stories to them. Okay, he also happened to be the oldest man in the village. This was by accident, okay, according to the, the frame of the story. Because the, the storyteller, that was, uh, storytelling was supposed to be his function. But he also happened to be the eldest man in the village. That is another uh, role that he had. But now I'm talking of his role as a storyteller. And just to sort of uh, come back to uh, what uh, Marcia was saying before, that for me, it looked like a kind of a mission, a kind of a responsibility, the kind of... Uh, um, almost like an obligation. And now, every evening, all the children in Obuji village will come to listen to his story. Now, at the point I will say in my book, in the book, there was nothing of historical importance that Okobuji needed to tell the children that he hasn't told them. Because, okay, you are telling the children the story every evening. There are 365 days in a year. If you are telling the children a story every year, at least you should finish by now. But we see now, according to the story, that every evening the children still go there and they still tell the story. What are you saying? What are you, are you not finishing the story yet? So I also responded to the uh, to the um, uh, uh, rhetoric question that it is more than just the story. Uh, it is the the rituals that is being performed there. It is the staying together. It is the engagement. It is the education that needs to be organic. It is not uh, a, a, a linear thing. It is, it is organic. It, it, it transforms in itself. You see, one of the, one of the most beautiful things about oral narration is that it's never ending. You take a piece of story, you can retell it and retell it and retell it again. The people are never bored. Why? Because you are always adding new element to the story. That is, according to who is in front of you. You might look at that, well, is that really important? <laughs> well, that is actually what is going to make your story to work. Because now, imagine yourself as a salesperson or you are a community leader. You have been called upon to give a speech because somebody has just died. You are going to use story, right? All right. But the say you... You will be invited to another event because somebody has just given a bet, just giving bet to a baby. Maybe you are going to use the same story, but this is the kick. You are never going to use the story the same way. You are going to add different elements to the story according to who is in front, according to what is the circumstances, according to what is the context. In that way, the story is always alive alive for the time that you are telling the story. And in that way too, you as a storyteller or you that have the ability to tell story or have the skill, because storytelling is a skill, is not an inheritance. You, you don't just do it by uh, because you just want to test. You need to learn it. There are ways to tell the story to make sure the people pay attention. If you know how to do this, then you it appears like you have a kind of an obligation to shape a narration, to give the people, to give them something they can hold, something intangible, but they can hold it in front of them. It looked like the tree that I presented in that story, the tree is over in my language, but I describe it like a kind of a baobab tree. 
is that every evening the people that are coming together around the Baobao tree, sort of, or the Ovu in my village, and that is where the story takes place. But figuratively, we can actually look at Ovu or the Baobao tree this time as the centerpiece where everybody is rallying around. Now, how could we translate that into the experiences that we have in the diaspora, for example? How we could do that is that we could organize ourselves together and have a story that reflects us. Us, therefore, become the centerpiece that we need to defend. That is, that is the thing, the substance, the object that we need to build for the sake of all of us. Because if we succeed to do that, then all of us succeed. But if we only build one person, or one person is big or powerful, like it's often the case in Africa, for example, where we have strong men, we don't have strong people, we will continue to suffer. Because a strong man can always be taken out. But a strong people, <clears throat> nobody, no individual is stronger than all of us. That is the truth. All right. I want to go back to... Uh, Obi, I, yeah. I just want to add please, that, please. that what, what you have said is really the, the, the catalyst for nostalgia. You know, everything in life has a source or a reference point. And, and nostalgia feeds off, overcoming it feeds off connection. The connection is that you, 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 to get over it, you have to always go back to the source and you have to reconcile with the source. And so that is why telling the story has a more, has a, a larger impact than writing it. Writing it becomes a healing for the person who writes it. And as you said, even when they write the story, if they read the same story that they have written to, to, to expand or to explore or to explain or to get out their emotions and how they are feeling at a particular time and how they navigate these feelings, every time they read it, it is read differently because as, it, the, as the feeling, the overcoming grows and the, the mastery of the emotion grows and the acceptance of it grows, you find that persons speak from a different point and they talk from a different knowing and they, they they speak from a different accepting and they speak from a different point of overcoming so there are levels of 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 overcoming that that they experience as they read their story that they have written those who hear the story respond and interpret in a different way also but it is a personal leading and healing of self that cannot be given to anyone your story can be told but how it is interpreted and how persons respond to it is a personal and individual place of knowing and accepting their own experiencing experiences and owning it so that they are able to overcome it. Because acceptance is one of the greatest things in overcoming anything in life. Once you are able to accept it, you are able to look at it carefully and you are able to look at the things and the points that you can move to to get the desired results or to meet your goals you need people because nostalgia really needs support and connection so you need people to step to take that step but once you have taken that step you step towards someone else to help them to overcome
Thank you so much for that. I, I wish I could just freeze time so that you would just talk forever. <laughs> that is so beautiful. Thank you so much for that sharing. <laughs> you see, when people say, uh, oh, once upon a time, when we were children, you know, why we, why we do that, why we do that is that we are, we are trying to trigger something in the mind of the people. Because who among us have been a child? You know, this is also very powerful for those of us in the African diaspora. If you are away from your home, you see somebody that comes... Okay, now, let's say, for, maybe, for example, you are coming from Washington, D.C., and you are maybe in Paris, and you meet another person who is coming from New York, you meet in Paris. If both of you are meeting in the coffee bar and talking, it looks like you are from the same neighborhood. But Washington and New York are not the same place. These are two different places in the United States. But you meet in a place that is far away from home. Therefore, you have a common bond now, the United States. This is what it means for many people in the diaspora. Either uh, I met a lot of people here in Italy that I've never even imagined in my life before. You see, many Europeans, when they look at us, and they think that because the other person looks like me, I know him. I understand him. I understand his language. I understand his culture. I know everything about him. <laughs> it is they that think that. We don't... It, it, but that is not the truth. But that is actually also a good thing if we were to flip it around, is that we can build on that. That unity for ourselves. Because me, for example, coming from Nigeria... I came here meeting people that are coming from Congo, people that are coming from Ghana, people that are coming from South Africa, people that are coming from Senegal. I have never met that in my life. But we are living in the same small town, Verona, about 300, less than 300,000 people. Okay, we, can, we, we find a common ground among ourselves. We don't, even know that, we don't even speak the same language. I speak English, many of them speak French or speak other languages. But we are Africans. By the time we start talking about ourselves, oh, in Africa, uh, how we used to do this uh, in my town, in my village, in my city, they will begin to find commonality, the common ground. We are beginning to think back. We are beginning to reflect to the source, like Dr. Matsyad is saying, to where we are coming from, to the origin. So storytelling, therefore, is helping us to think to where are we coming from. Maybe that will help us to understand where are we going. Now, I want to ask a question to you, uh, Nakatsia. How do you approach story, or sorry, nostalgia in your project? Is there a way that nostalgia can have an impact in what you do? Share with us. In my previous projects, nostalgia was something that uh, helped, I guess, create the passion that I had for wanting to share a story. So the focus of the story that I am telling is talking about um, the more that Africans within the diaspora come to Western places like America and assimilate within its culture it strips away at your cultural identity. So a big piece of me being able to tell that story was um, relating it back to the diversity of African culture and getting people to understand and think about the labels that we've been ascribed to, but then also thinking about how it is and how it would be even for people who've never been to um, the continent of Africa or other places where it's predominantly African people living there to see your reflections of each other, to see someone else as a reflection of you 
and to not have the um, ascribed label of being seen as black or negro or colored or whatever the case may be you're just you just are you guys are just being so i talk a lot about that and how the more that we assimilate within these systems it basically uh, permits us to perpetuate our own oppression in many different ways because you're obligated to this sovereign system for different various reasons um so a big mix of it is the storytelling on that side but then also the nostalgia of thinking about how it would be in a home where you're safe and comfortable and able to be yourself so i i do talk about it a lot from that standpoint but then i also talk about um the cases of uh indirect rule and how it has a huge influence not only on um, communities that are trying to go against it with like things like COINTELPRO, but i also talk about it within african government systems and thinking about it from an economic stance um, so it's kind of like a mixture of storytelling with nostalgia, but then also looking at it from the, the lens of reality. Um, but going forward, I do want to focus a bit more on nostalgia with like my family storytelling because um, I have family that comes from the south of America and, you know, they don't have any means of uh, having their story remain intact. So if, you know, God forbid any of my grandparents or great-grandparents pass on, those stories are just lost rather than captured and being able to be told. And then you can only have it orally, which is fine, but not everyone knows those types of stories. So it's important to be able to capture those um, nostalgia pieces for, I believe, my great-grandparents and be able to pass it on to grandchildren. Thank, thank you so much for that. How powerful that is. How powerful that is. All right, at the center of our project, for example, uh, A-Classes, uh, is that we have a, a tall project that we tend to do in Nigeria sometime in the future. We want to build a research center for storytelling because we want we believe that storytelling is important for us so that we can explore even the concept of oral narration. Now, why we want to do that is we want to make sure that we collect story. We, we basically go and harvest story from the living legends among our people. You see, it is said that when an elder dies, this is a saying among many Africa, when an elder dies in Africa, a library is burned down. Why people say that is because this elder have lived an experience. It is important that we make out that experience and keep it for generations to come. That is what we intend to do with that project. We don't know if we are going to be able to get the phone to be able to do that, but we intend to do that. And we're already doing it in our little ways. For example, this Sunday, I'm going to be presenting a biography about my eldest brother. Actually, it's the first time that I'm looking at my family in this way, and I'm already emotional of how I'm going to present that book. Now, one person uh, who read the book told me how much he loved it because I was making reference to how, for example, in about 500 years from now, people are going to take up that book and read, which means I'm not even thinking of now. I'm thinking of 500 years from now. Who is going to read that book? Now, how do you think this one is going to be in 500 years from now? But the question is this one. If we don't prepare for 500 years from now, in a twinkle of an eye, it will be dead. Of course, all of us will be dead and gone. Our, our flesh have decayed and all of that. But we need to plan for that. We plan for that for the sake of all of us. Not for the sake of me or for the sake of you as an individual. 
but for the sake of all of us. Because all of us are bigger and stronger and more effective than any singular one of us. So we tell the story not for the good of, or not because of any individual, but for the collective, for all of us. That is why we are telling the story. Now, I can imagine, for example, me going to Nigeria or going to Ghana or Uganda or Congo or in any other place in Africa. And of course, in the diaspora, why not? Because that is what I've been doing here. Just literally taking my little device and going to meet people. Hey, tell me your story. Then I put it together and make a book out of it. I see the value for that. That is why I'm doing this. I know that there is a value for it. That... Before this elderly person pass on, he leaves his memory for those that will be here after him. It is an obligation. It's a responsibility that we must do. Now, if I could see somebody that did that for my father, I would be very happy. I, my father died. I was in primary two, which means I never really have the chance to be able to grow up. I had a father that I finished my school. I passed. I take any position, I would say, oh, daddy, this is what I've gotten uh, from my exam. So I could ask him a lot of questions. I never had that privilege. So if somebody have recorded a tape, I don't even say my father should have said something very intelligent, beautiful, even if it were stupid, but I want to hear him talk. If somebody have written something about my father, I will appreciate it. I will pay anything for it to have it. But it never, it never happened. So storytelling is an opportunity to register our presence and to help also others to do that. All right. Before I pass the mic to Olatuji, I have to... There is a, another person in the room, which is Emi Egwemi. Uh, Egwemi, okay. Maybe I pronounce it. I'm not very good at pronouncing names. All right. It's your turn, brother. Please share with us. Yeah, you, you did justice to the name, Emi Egwemi. Yeah, um... I just want to um, drop my two cents on um, what um, Dr. Masia said about going back to our roots, which is very, very important. I remember when I was pretty young, I asked my mom why were there so much corruption and dishonest people. She didn't really give me an answer, but at the time she told me that while she was growing up, they used to have a marketplace whereby people would just come, put their goods there, and just put um, stones to signify the prizes. This is in Africa. And people will come, just see the commodity, see the amount of stones, and just put the money there. So it shows the level of honesty that the people had at the time. Now, as we know, life has evolved and there's corruption and everything. But it's that statement alone that my mom said created a mental picture in my head how, how um, organized people were. And that's storytelling on its own. So uh, basically talking about the nostalgia, overcoming nostalgia of storytelling, I feel um, borrowing from the word of say, going back to our roots is very, very important. But the truth is you don't need to be 100% unique in terms of telling your stories, but, but that is why I'm doing research about a certain story is very important. Um, let's say, for example, as you're hosting this space, if um, like 90% of um, people who are attending this space are, are Gen Zs, you, you will look for a better way to tell your story, right? <clears throat> because you want to curate it in a way that will make meaning to them, um, that they could relate to easily, and that it could create a, a good impression. Um, I'll come from the movie angle. So 
for example, when you create a team before um, production, that's pre-production, you have your script writer, you have the man on camera, you have the producer, the director, the court and everything. But there's also one part in terms of storytelling that is very, very important and integral, which is the sound. Let's say, for example, Black Panther. It talks about the story of Africa and how rich Africa is in terms of minerals and everything. That's one angle. You also talk about the hierarchy of kingship, patriarchy and everything, where if you look at it in, a, in another way too, it's also a part of African culture. But there's one thing I very find amazing, which are the songs they use in terms of telling the stories. I know one of the songs they use that my mom used to sing to me when, it was, uh, when she was telling us um, um, Taste by Moonlight. And that really, really resonates with me. So the impact of storytelling, um, there's a lot of elements that brings this, this feeling that we resonate with. Um, it could be the songs, it could be different aspects that brings this story to life. Let's say, for example, if I'm talking to a different audience, which I normally do as a social architect, I do get gigs to go to companies and talk to their staff about team bondings and stuff. What I easily do is that I try to start up telling a story with what they could connect with, right? Maybe talking about a brand they like. I know many people like Gucci and Versace. And I talk about how this thing appeals to them. And slowly, slowly, I bring the story back home, how it affects us as individuals and how we could better work on ourselves. And in this case, the organization. So I feel it's very, very important. The truth be told, we cannot be 100% unique in telling our stories, but depending on the audience we are talking to, we can have that impact if we're able to twist the story, like I said earlier. We or if we're here and everybody here is, let's say, millennials or Gen Zs, there's a certain way you're going to curate how you're going to host this space, right? Because you know, okay, this this is this is my audience and this is how I'm going to um, tell the story or curate this this room. So it is very important that we also know how to twist our story. So going back to the pattern, for example, I want to write a story about. Um, something that happened way back in Africa that my parents told me, and I want to tell the audience of now, there's a certain way I want to do it so that it will appeal well to the audience. Uh, what I'm just saying is that in terms of our storytelling, we need to be very apt in terms of research. That, that's borrowing from the word of Masha. We need to be very apt in terms of research, and that will help us telling our stories as Africans. Thank you so much for that, uh, Emmy. That, that is powerful. I, I love that. I really love that. Uh, I, I want to take away the word there, which is um, adaptability. Uh, in that when we have a story, even though if it's the same story, and when we tell it to the audience, we need to know who the audience is. <laughs> we, we spend a lot of time. There is another room that we have where we talk about uh, storytelling tips on storytelling series. It's part of this series because we have three rooms about storytelling on LinkedIn. In that room, we talk about different tips, uh, about storytelling. Then we have talked about audience a lot because you need to know who your audience is that you are telling story to. And like I was saying before, I don't know if you were here there, Emmy, uh, making reference to my book in 2015, in that when you pick up a story, the same story, you could actually tell it to different people, but each time you could tell it differently because 
you are supposed to be organic. You are supposed to adapt the story to the situation and the event under which you are telling the story. Uh, in that, do you what do you want the person to do? Because you are you are basically trying to trigger a reaction from the people. Or uh, do you want to make the people feel good? Do you want to make them reflect? Do you want to uh, make them forgive something because somebody have maybe uh, by mistakely uh, wrong another person, so they are trying to look for reconciliation? They are trying to make peace. Is that why you are telling the story? Because if that is why you are telling the story, even though the story you are going to use might be the story of war, you are not necessarily going to lay emphasis on how to maybe attack enemy. You might lay emphasis on maybe the after, how to make peace, because as human beings, we cannot always be fighting. Sometimes we fight, sometimes we also make peace. So if you want to tell that story in the military camp, maybe your country is being attacked, you can be laying emphasis on how to make peace. It doesn't, that is not the right time to talk about that because they have just killed a lot of people in your country. You want to strategize the military on going out to capture the enemy. So you cannot be talking of uh, reconciliation at that time. Your story will lay emphasis on how to capture the enemy. That is going to be the important thing. Because it's the same story. It's just how do you adapt the story to suit the current situation uh, under which you are telling the story, the, the contest. Now, this can be very, very vital. Even if, for example, you are using your storytelling for business. Because you are going to understand if you make mistake, you are going to lose the sales. Therefore, you are going to be very careful how you tell your story. Know who you are telling the story to and know what you want out from that story. If you know that and you follow the step towards that, you will get result. If you throw out, just begin to talk, just talk, just talk, you will lose. So it is very important that we know who we are telling the story to and why we are telling the story. What are the senses and sensibilities of the people? That is fundamental. All right, now I come to Olatuji. Uh, Olatuji, let's look at it this way. Uh, from, from you, from your personal understanding, what does it even mean, nostalgia? What does it mean to you? All right, uh, it's good to be here. Thank you to everyone who has, um, you know, spoken. Uh, they are very sweet um, expression. And uh, shout out to my friend, Okari Shaba, uh, my community member uh, Forbes BLK. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, I do not take your presence for granted. Um, you see, nostalgia is, is like the breeze from our forefathers to remind us of the son of who we are, all right? <laughs> you know, when, when you are in Africa, they say, don't forget the son of who you are. And then sometimes when you are beginning to forget, the breeze will just come. It just, you know, bring you one, one, one piece you know, of, of history to remind you and say, I hope you have not forgotten the son of who you are. All right. That, that's it. So, and immediately it comes like that, you know, like it, it may not be a wild wind. All right. It may, it may be a still small wind. All right. It may be something as turbulent as, you know, whatever you can think about it, but it, it's, it calls your attention. It pulls you out of whatever, you were doing and begs for, you know, a little of your time and that's it. So it's always very important for us because um, especially in the world that we have today, um, we are too distracted. We are too distracted that if we do not find things that would constantly remind us 
of our foundation would, would be carried away putting structures that do not align with the foundation that was laid on the building. And because you just want to appear skyscraping in nature, you want to appear big in nature, you forget that, oh, you were not designed for this, in, you know, in your foundation. So nostalgia, you know, is like I, I put it, it's like the breeze from your forefathers, that young man, young woman, don't forget the son or the daughter of whom you are. So when it comes, it, it sits you down. It makes you to remember how it all started. And you begin to think about life again, the way you should as a human who has got a, an origin, who has got a place coming from. All right. Your, your nostalgia is always, you know, from the past. It's something you have gone through. So why did you go through it? Maybe you did not understand it at that time. Now you would understand. All right. You know, uh, today I, I, I left a class. I was taking some, you know, group of, you know, professionals on uh, how to, uh, use their emotion about emotional intelligence and i remember that i was after i made a comment yesterday on uh mr shabal's post about inventing the the finger rule of emotional intelligence i just wanted to check on google if i was actually you know the inventor of it so and i typed on google and i saw that oh my content that i had on my blog uh, as far back as 2016 came up as the first you know uh explaining what I mean by the finger rule of emotional intelligence, you know, I use, you know, each of our finger to, ex to explain the five components of emotional intelligence. And I, I went back and I read, and I read one of the, you know, articles and I saw, I said, wow. So the story I read there, I had to use it today in the class. I said, come on. And this was it. You know, I remember, I think the, the story was this. I, I was in the library that day and um, that morning I'd finished a bowl of beans. All right. Uh, now I'm creating, I'm intentionally creating nostalgia for some of us. All right. Some of us that have eaten beans before, or you have not, or you remember the kind of people that eat beans. All right. <laughs> so, right. So I, 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 I took a bowl of beans that morning and I was headed to the library. So I got to the library, you know, my, my stomach needed to do its work, you know, helping to digest the food. And then in digesting the food, there was need for certain gaseous substance to be ejected, all right? So uh, the gaseous substance wanted to live as fats, all right? But um, I was not ready to disgrace myself because it's an assumption that when you are in the library, you, you have sense. So you have come to, to get more sense. So you should not behave like an uncivilized person because I suspected that if I open the barrel, it will not only make noise, it will smell. And everybody will look in my direction and that, oh, come on. So you 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 don't have sense. <laughs> All right. So and and I saw that story and I I I brought it back and I related it to emotional intelligence. Okay, you know what? Sometimes you see you you need to know how to manage your emotions and not to bottle them up. You know what happened to me that day? Uh, my action of returning, because what I now did, because I didn't want to appear stupid, I, I started returning back the intended bullets into my intestine. And after different shots, like two, three shots, my stomach got destabilized. You know, the, it was a strange feeling that, come on, this thing should be outside, not inside. So I, I, I had running stomach. I needed to use the toilet. It was not enough. I needed to leave the library that time and go home. It was becoming very uncomfortable. 
and I related it. You see, that fast that I wanted to go was an expression of your emotion, of your of your emotion. How you now express it? You know, I could have just stood up and go to the toilet and do it, but I was I don't know. I was glued to the book. I was glued to whatever it is, and I still wanted to enjoy that expression. So I read, I read that, I wrote that. I, I did not in any way remember that story anywhere inside my head. But when I went back to read that article, you know, it was just yesterday. I just went back. I just, you know, sat and I, and I you know, checked my blog post. Oh, this blog post is still here. And I read it and I saw, wow, interesting. So nostalgias are like that. They are like, you know, breeze from our forefathers. Like, don't forget the son of whom you are. So when they come like that, they force us into reflections. Sometimes, many times, those things in themselves in those days never made sense. But because you have now become more intelligent at this time, your reflection begins to see wisdom in those previous actions in history. That's why your ability to, to, to know, examine history always, you know, turns you out to be a wise person. When the history was made, when it was made, at the point it was made, it was not sensible. But for those who are not able to go back and consider it and say, whoa, this is what it looks like. You know, uh, Mr. Obey gave us, you know, what it means, you know, sitting down beside, uh, you know, at the feet of, you know, an elderly man every night, hearing stories. It, it looks... At that time, it looked like, what are these ones doing? But when we come back and look at them now, it, it reminds us of, oh, this is how it should be. We should, you know, have mentors. We should have people we learn from. We should have a community of learning. All right? And now, this is like a baobab tree that we have gathered around. We should have a place of learning. All right? So, you know, sometimes, when you are even clueless, sometimes, you just go back to some spots. You just go back to some places. Without anybody telling you anything to do, since we come back. Why? Because those places and spots used to be the place of learning. And that that, that was, you know, my feeling then, right? Uh, in the library, I just felt like, hey, this place, it should not be stupid. Because it's assumed that even if you were stupid, coming into this place, you should have sense. Even though you have not even opened any of the books. So reflection would happen. And when reflection happens that way, we begin to see in different lights the things that were in, in the first place, they, will, they, they may not be intelligent. But because you are coming from an intelligent mind, you can make water to become a cutting blade. Because you are, you know, the, 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 the power is now in you to make out of what has happened before? Anything you want it to be. And when it comes like that, oh, you quickly, you know, sharing happens. You say, hey, let me tell you a story. Because the thing is this. Now, remember, you know, it, it came to me. Uh, that illustration is, is very powerful to me now. And I, I, I would hammer it over and over. Nostalgia is like the breeze from our forefathers, all right, to remind us of the son of whom we are. Now, those things came because at some point, I told us, we, we are more distracted in this generation than the whole of the world was in the past. 
the distraction, the, the distraction per quota for individual in this generation is more than whatever it is that it used to be. We have so much of information moving here and there. And, you know, uh, uh, there's, there's a topic I'm taking now, uh, uh, I, you know, miseducation. Sometimes the lack of education is better than, you know, the wrong education. Not sometimes, I think every time. Because the wrong education is like, it's like poison. Hunger does not kill people, you know, outrightly. Before you get to the point that you die of hunger, you should have gotten help. But immediately you take poison, you should be ready to die. That's how, you know, wrong information can be. So, but when we have these nostalgic experiences, they, they bring back those things that we, at some point, do not regard. And it's like, you know, when the breeze comes to us, the breeze will come with the black and white TV. It will come with the black and white TV that your father could buy when you were growing up. But now, for you to reproduce it, you will not produce it in black and white TV. You produce it in colored TV. Now, it's still possible that it's the same storyline, but now you have produced it in a different screen with different character, different people. It's still the same storyline, but you have made the picture brighter. You have made the picture more beautiful. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. We may have something different from colored again, and we have to reprint and reproduce whatever has happened in the past again for the future audience to be able to understand. There are certain things you say now to, you know, the Gen Z, they, they will just look at you like, you know, you are a falling star. It's not that it's not making sense, but they cannot relate, and it's not sensible that way. So nostalgia gives us that, that, that opportunity to be able to recreate what happened in the past in the language of the world that we are in. And again, perspective, all right? Now, you know, then we, we, we now begin to look at it. Okay, what was it like? What was it like? Oh, really? Oh, really? Then, you know, most of the time when we are in a situation, we don't have more than one perspective. It's like when you are, when you suddenly find yourself inside a river. I don't know how it happened, but you suddenly find yourself inside a river. The, the only thing you, the only perspective you're having at that time is to get out of that river. It's when you're out of that river, you're not beginning to remember that, oh, you could, you know, come out with a fish. <laughs> you know, you could, you know, take a selfie. You know, perspective will now begin to come because you have now, you are outside of the situation. Now you are, you, are, you are now growing, you have grown, you are more intelligent, you can now see things in different ways and you now begin to, you know, you now begin to look at it, okay, let's see it, we, you know, behind a, 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 a red film, let's see it behind a blue film, oh, how would it look like if we shape it like this, how would it look like if we make it look this way, perspective and learning. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking certain points, all right? I'm, I'm just using them to make the discussion uh, relatable. So learning now happens after we have taken perception. You know, it, it's it's like, you know, the concept that I taught them today, you, you know, in, in, in self-awareness. You know yourself, you, you choose yourself, then you give yourself. You're going to have options, all right? There'll be options. You're going to have options. You, you are never without option. You don't say because we were pushed to a wall, you decided to die in front of the wall. In fact, that's an option. All right? No choice is actually a choice. You, you, you can decide to push the wall, you can climb the wall, you can push the person that pushed you to the wall. 
All right. So there are always options. So when we have gotten this different perspective, you know, nostalgia brings us to that place of perspective and say, okay, okay, this is it. Oh, this is it. Then what are you going to take out of it? Learnings. And there must be connection. You know, Dr. Marcia emphasized that there must be connection. All right. There must be connection. Be, you know, you don't you 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 don't just tell us the story in a in a colored television and lose the storyline of the black and white TV. No, you must connect it. If you don't connect it, then you have not made any sense to us. You know, you, you shouldn't because you want to represent it in a different way, totally now do away with the storyline. And that's, you know, the place of adapt, ad adaptation, all right? Water can be very good. Uh, I would say knife now. You know, knife can be good to cut your vegetable in the kitchen. And you can also need it on the battlefront. Adaptation. The same storyline, all right? Very important. And nostalgia is supposed to be a springboard to move us forward. All the process that I counted before we get to moving forward are actually rings to building the spring that will propel us into the future. Uh, storytelling helps us to be able to bring perspective out of this. Storytelling helps us to be able to maximize everything, build the string, make it very powerful to launch us uh, into the future. Please don't forget that nostalgia is a breeze from our forefathers to remind us of the son of whom we are. Thank you. Thank you so much, Olatuji. Thank you so much for that. I, I appreciate that. I really do. I really do. All right, for those of you who probably uh, came a little bit later, I said before that uh, we are preparing uh, a course about storytelling. The three of us that are the co-hosts in this program, we have decided to um, give you people a gift. So we are in the advanced stage in it. We already recorded it. We are in editing now. So when it's out, we will let you know so you can get a copy of it and explore more the power of storytelling because we, we fundamentally believe that it can be helpful to you to explore the power of storytelling in what you do. You are going to need it in anything you do, except, except you are inside a rock and you are not dealing with human being. If you are dealing with human being, you need the power of storytelling because human beings- Sorry, even, even rocks listen to stories. <laughs> <laughs> so if you are dealing with human being, the language a human being understand is story. All right. Now, to go back to what you were saying before, Latuji, you see, the reason we tell story sometimes is also to help the other people to find themselves. It's not only about us. It's never about us. It's about the people. It's about the audience, the person you have in front of you. Now, imagine yourself being called to address a situation. You cannot put it just about you. There are people listening to you. It's about them. Maybe there is a crisis in the family. They call you to come and address the couple. You cannot put it about you. You are not the problem. The problem, what the people need is a solution to the problem that they have. You are going to tell your story 
to help them find the solution. They will find the solution. So that if I am a storyteller, I sh my story should help the person that is listening to me to find his or herself, or better way, to make the person relate so that he can think back. Because you always need to think back to the source, to when are you coming from, to the origin. If you can do that, then it can be useful to the person that is listening to you, and it can also be useful to you in the long run. Because you're going to give something first before you can get something uh, in return. All right, now I want to do, the, do it like this. Uh, for my co-host, three of you, uh, I will ask you the same question. Of course, you respond in your own way. I will start uh, with Dr. Marcia. Uh, what is your pe what personal experience can you share with us in relation to nostalgia? It can be maybe about your family, about your um, your people, your tradition, uh, in relation to where you are today. Uh, what can you share with us? Something that is personal about nostalgia. Please go. I lost my father six, eight years ago, and then I lost my mother this July. And so nostalgia for me is a, is a blend of an empowerment of memories and of overcoming. My, my parents were empowerment champions. Current is not in their vocabulary. And an ultimate and everlasting faith in God and in prayer are two of the most powerful tools that they have left with us, their four children. And every time I, I feel nostalgic or I feel hurt or I feel alone because they were powerful advisors and real models and role models, they were my best friends in relation to, they had an open home where you were never flogged you were never reprimanded if you tell them the truth you were just guided and you there were things that they would tell you like i am disappointed that you did not use your strength to do so and so and so uh, they, those are tools mindsets and skill sets that they have left with us and every time i feel overwhelmed or I feel bogged down because of the many complex situations that make up life. I And I yearn for them. I remember what they would say in a situation like this. I remember where they would send me the source to prayer. And I, rem and I look at their pictures and I pull from the memories I have, things of them and I clothe myself in the protection that they offered and the legacy they have left behind of resilience and courage and faith and hope and the fact that once you are outside of your crisis, it cannot overcome you. It means that you are already a conqueror. It means that you are put in the mode of being an overcomer. It means that you cannot be defeated. It means that nothing that comes against you will prosper. So nostalgia, nostalgia for me is a tool of empowerment, a tool of resistance, a tool of resilience, and a tool of standing and getting up even if I fall. That for me is the memories 
that and the, and the, and the, and the cloak that I wear when I'm nostalgic, I go right back to that reference point. I go back to that source of strength, which is the memories and the example and the legacy that they have left behind. Thank you so much for that. That is something to take home. That is something really to take home. Thank you for that sharing. Uh, that is actually what we want to connect to our personal story. And when you share your story, Dr. Matia, you help other people to also connect to them to themselves. Uh, because they are not in Jamaica, uh, they are mm, not you, but because they are like you, when you say your mother, they don't know your mother, but at least they know their own mother. So your story becomes a light for them too. And this way, we are helping each other. So storytelling is this powerful. Except you have never had a mother, which of course you are going to explain how you get to this world. Then you must understand what Dr. Marcel is talking about. All right. Now, we're going to adapt this story. Because we give the same question to uh, Nakatsia. Uh, so you are going to adapt it in your own way. What personal experience can you share with us in relation to nostalgia? Please go ahead. Something that I always go back to with my family is when me and my family used to live down south and um, mo a lot of our family lives close together then. And now we're all scattered around. So I used to grow up with all my different cousins and we used to like experience um, just being with each other as young people and telling each other stories and dancing together and singing together and all of this fun stuff and had a lot of land so we could just be kids. And a lot of times when I'm, you know, grown now, I'm always thinking about well, where we are now and how our relationship is and we're scattered all over the world. So I guess that's one example. Another example is um, when I first started to do my travels in um, African countries, I'm always going back to those experiences because it's such a profound difference um, being, for example, in Ghana or being in Morocco or being in Togo or Tanzania and seeing people that look like you, but they're in all these different types of um, like settings and environments and they know different uh, languages and it's such a beautiful experience right and it's also very beautiful because it's not something that you see often in the united states of america because i was socialized there um that is all like when i'm in america is always something that i think of and then also thinking of the history of them uh, dividing up african people in such a strategic way that they've done um and i'm always thinking about what it is and what it could be and how we can come together as African diaspora. So that's the type of nostalgia I'm always looking at. Sometimes the longing of being back um, and building a community there that I'm surrounded by, but also um, looking towards the future as to how we can make that a possibility for other people that look like me because of the cultural genocide that I talk about almost every time we have these calls that has taken place. Thank you so much for that. that. That is valuable. I appreciate that. I do. And now people, again, they listen to your story. They find themselves in their story. <laughs> because like, like me too, okay, I'm not going to go deep on that. Uh, um, when I grew up, I lived with my with my people, with my brother, with my sister. With, okay, now my father is late, uh, of course, uh, when I was still young. Uh, my mother also is late. 
Uh, but my brothers, they are all in Nigeria, except me, of course, that is in Italy. And of course, sometimes I think, yeah, when I was growing up, what we used to do, if I have written two distinct books about this, about my personal experience uh, growing up in, in Nigeria, uh, of course, this is a fruit of nostalgia in that I am thinking about how I used to be uh, with my friends, how I went to school. In one book that I actually dedicated to my grandmother, I titled the book, uh, Still Owing Me Goodbye. Of course, in the title, you can already see that it's very nostalgic, no? Because my grand I grew up with my grandmother, so I was hoping that uh, I would just remain with my grandmother. Uh, but my grandmother didn't live till the time that I finished uh, uh, primary school. Uh, in fact, my, she died before I started primary school in real life. But in the story, uh, my, my grandmother saw me going to primary school, but she didn't see me finish uh, primary school. So that became nostalgic in, this, in that uh, in, in the book, the book ended by saying, uh, Grandma, I, everybody, it, it was really very fascinating when we, uh, I don't know if, uh, how it happened in your case, but in my case, particularly in my place, uh, when you are finishing the, the end of year section, when you are finishing secondary school, there is a lot of event that is usually organized. There is party, there is cooking, there is a lot of fun with people. And so we dance. So at the end of this event now, okay, you know, okay, there is also, also this, this story of little romance among little children. Maybe you find a girl that you like or the girl that find a boy that they like, uh, but you are still small now. You are not able to, uh, maybe able to do anything, but the feeling is there, no? You cannot hide that. And now you can see that as you are parting, that the, 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 the game is over. Basically, the game is over. Everybody's going to different places. Sometimes uh, you are going to go to meet your brother in the, in the city. Uh, you are going to leave the, the village. You are going to another place. Or you will be living there, but your parents are now relocated to another place. So you are basically party to see no more in most of the cases. So at that time, as we left the school in the story, everybody, of course, want to return home. But me, I didn't want to return home in the story. I said, well, I'm going to wait for my mother because, sorry, my grandmother, because it's to my grandmother I wanted to return. I don't want to, my village, of course, my family is nearby. I didn't want to go there. I want to just stay alone. So everybody came and they, they left. I, I just want to stay because my grandmother has died a few, uh, a few days before that event. So I was uh, pretty messed up. So I, I was there. So all this feeling are, are important because it sort of help you to hear, help you to understand what has happened. It help you to make sense out of it also. Uh, so storytelling in this sense, uh, when, when I'm here writing those stories, it's because I'm feeling this nostalgic feeling, uh, having this nostalgic feeling in me. And anytime you read that book, if you're a human being, you are probably not going to think about me because you don't know me. You're not think, going to think about my village because you have never been to my village. But you're going to think about your village because you have come from uh, a village or you have come from a city. If you come from a city, you will translate it into city. If you have a, a parent, you will translate my grandparent into your old parent. This is the power of storytelling. And this is what nostalgia also helps us to do because it helps us to think back to our source, to our origin, to where we are coming from. And therefore, it can be really powerful. So again, we are going to adapt the story. Now, yeah, the time is for Olatuji. And what personal story or personal experience can you share with us about nostalgia? All right. It's, it's good to be here again. Thank you so much, everybody. Um, you see, uh, when I remember the day I, you know, 
I got my grandma a walking stick as a gift. So I want to quickly talk about, you know, the very three important, you know, core of my value and um, how they are tied to nostalgia, the kind of, you know, nostalgia that, that, that reminds me of them every time. Now, I want to talk about, you know, that, that of integrity now, of honesty now. So I bought her a, a walking stick and, um, you know, then I saved money, right? I saved money. I was still in, you know, in the school then. So and she was like, hey, where did you get the money to do this? She questioned the source of it. She didn't allow uh, a need for it to override the, the thing that she should do. And I told her, oh, this was where I got, got the money. This, this, and oh, she now said, okay. Then she now appreciated me fully and said, wow, why did I think of such a gift for her that even none of our own direct, you know, children thought of it? And I can't forget that. Sometimes when I remember, it's a lot of memory for me. It, it, it puts me in, in certain, you know, atmosphere that I want to just do what is right, regardless of, you know, sometimes, you know, people feel like, hey, uh, stolen, stolen apple, you know, will not be sad. You understand? So, but I, when I remember that, I, I know that, no, it, it may not be sad, but definitely it will not end well, all right? So, and um, the other one for courage. Now, that's another uh, very important, um, you know, part of my value system, uh, courage. My mom, that's from my mom, all right? You know, that, that was a day, you know, we we're going to the farm. And um, that was a, you know, where like, when you, when you get on the road path to the farm, <clears throat> it, it naturally becomes a queue, all right? And uh, you find people, you can't, you can't walk in twos. You have to walk, you know, behind the person that is in front because the path becomes narrow, just tiny, you know, footpath. And all of a sudden, there was a snake in front. And um, it was a man that was in front, all right? And, um, you know, that happened after I lost my dad. So my dad, uh, you know, did not allow us. We didn't go to farm while my dad was alive. We had very interesting life, all right? So, uh, and the person, the man that was in front was, was fidgeting. And I saw that woman, my mother, from behind, pulled the man back and killed the snake. So, I, I, I can't forget the son of whom I am, all right? <laughs> that was why I told you that nostalgia is like the breeze. The wind from our forefathers, reminding us of the son of whom we are. All right, that's very important. And for my father, you know, uh, his personal development. We had TV, right? We had TV, but I, I can't remember that he would sit down and watch TV if he's not watching news. And we don't even watch movies. I see him. He doesn't tell me to read. I see him reading. Some of my cousins told me that when I was, you know, age two, I would carry newspaper and just be staring. 
you know, into the pages when I don't even know what I was doing. But I would not have done anything different if I didn't have a father like him. I, I see have, uh, you know, one of the very in interesting uh, gifts, I would say, from him. He did not give me. I picked it because he, he died before I left primary school. It's been a long journey without him. And um, yeah, I, I can say that I needed to fill up a very big space because of his absence. Because everybody now thought that I should have sense because of my father. <laughs> so I have that thing. It's always on my table. Uh, it's, it's like a metallic, you know, uh, stuff like that. Uh, it's called Easy Reader. I use it to stand my book, all right? I stand my book with it. So it's 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 a, a form of, you know, uh, easy way of making your book to stand upright in front of you without you holding it so that you can read easily. Um, it didn't leave so many things as inheritance because it died on time day. But out of all he left, I don't know how what happened to them. I still know what is happening to the easy reader because I'm using it. I can't forget. I'm getting really emotional, but um, you know, uh, that's how I have powerfully tied my progress to my origin. So I can't forget them. I, you know, they, they, they have different holes that they have filled. Thank you so much for that, uh, Latuji. Uh, and I thank all of you that are, that have stayed to the end of this uh, conversation. That really be very interesting uh, on my part uh, having all of you here. Uh, yes, uh, this is the conversation that we have today, talking about nostalgia and of course listening to the last uh, contribution from Molatuji. Uh, there is no way you cannot think about uh, to your origin where you are coming from, and of course, yeah, time is usually what it is. So the, such a time have come again. So we are, we are going to uh, come back again next time. We are here every two weeks. We're talking about storytelling. Uh, so I appreciate all of you, your presence. And so I encourage you to come back again uh, next two weeks, where we shall be talking about a different topic about diaspora storytelling, because we really are intentional about it and we need to continue the conversation to sort of uh, continue to encourage ourselves uh, on how to leverage this awesome power in what we are doing. So I want to thank also the audience that joined us. Uh, I have uh, uh, Okare, Emmy. And of course, my able co-host, uh, Olatuji Nakatia, Dr. Mansia, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. So, yeah, uh, come back again next time. Uh, after the count of three, this room is ending.